Hey everyone, Tim Robertson, OWC Radio number 15. It's been a week since I released the last podcast. I've been busy, and I've also been fighting a cold, so I don't know if you can hear it. I don't know if the microphone's picking it up real well today, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm a little congested. It happens in the wintertime, and it's been a heck of a week so far. We had a really major snowstorm that hit yesterday. All the schools in my area were closed. And to top it all off, uh, someone hit my car. I was in a store at the time buying a big case of bottled water. And I was actually heading here to the studio. And I came out and damage to the car. So that's always fun. Nice big crack in the window. So, uh, oy, what are you going to do, right? That's what you have insurance for. And, and thankfully, because it's A, not my fault, and B, what, what can I do about it? The insurance company says, hey, no deductible, we'll pay for it, uh, just bring it in Friday so we can get an appraisal and then you can get it fixed. That's all great, but hey, it really makes me nervous driving around with a cracked window, you know? I was talking to Grant Dalkey, marketing manager for OWC, and he suggested uh, put some super glue in the crack because who cares what it really looks like, you can still see through the window. It will prevent the crack from spreading, he, th he thinks, and uh, he could be right, I don't know. Uh, but at least it will prevent the window from, you know, breaking apart and falling in my lap as I'm driving. I know car windows are designed not to do that, but, you know, when there's this big crack right in front of you and you're driving, it, it makes me nervous. I think it would probably make you nervous, too. So it's been a couple of weeks since Macworld Expo ended. Um, I'm fully recovered, finally. I can't say that about everybody. I've been reading some posts online. There's still a lot of coverage showing up, especially at like uh, the unofficial Apple weblog and uh, Mac Voices TV. They're still uh, putting stuff up online that they recorded during the Macworld Expo, and that's great. Uh, usually it's interviews and stuff like that, and I think those are fun to watch. So make sure you go to those sites and check out their content because um, there's just a lot of stuff. You can't, while you're at the show, it's really hard to produce content and get it online really quickly. And, and for some people, it's literally impossible. So we're still getting a lot of coverage from the Macworld Expo, and it's still very viable information, uh, very entertaining, and I hope you guys check it out. Later on this episode, I'm going to have an interview that I'm going to drop in to, uh, to GarageBand here. It's an interview I did with Laura Park. She's a customer, I'm sure, she's the customer service supervisor at Otherworld Computing. As part of a, uh, I don't want to say continuing because this is the first time I've done it, but it's going to be continuing from this point on. Not every episode, but every couple episodes or so, I'm going to conduct an interview with someone there at OWC. And, you know, I don't work there in uh, Woodstock, Illinois. So I don't have an opportunity to meet everyone and to get to know them gradually by going into work every day. So this is the way I'm going to get to know people. And I don't want to just find out what they do there at Otherworld. That's important. But I also want to know who they are as people. And I think that those type of interviews, when you just talk to people and have a conversation, I think those are the most interesting and the most fun for me to do. And that's exactly what we did uh, with Laura. And I'll pop that in here at the end of the show. Getting back to uh, Macworld Expo, I actually went over to the Apple Store um, I don't know, it was Friday or something. And I bought, I actually paid money for that new metal Apple remote control. You know that 
You remember the little white ones that came with every MacBook, every MacBook Pro, every iMac? It seemed like whatever Mac you got, you got this little cheap plastic white remote. Now, those remotes were great. Don't get me wrong. They worked fine, except yeah, they were just cheap. They, they felt inexpensive in your hand, and they were really easy to lose. And honestly, a white remote, really? Meh. I don't know. I didn't think that was a very smart idea. So a couple months ago when Apple released the new remote controls, they're metal, they're longer, they feel a whole lot sturdier. The button layout is different. It makes a lot more sense to me anyways. Um, I wanted to buy one when they first came out. I just didn't. I don't know why. I've been to the Apple store here in Michigan. We have two of them uh, close by for me, and that's in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Ann Arbor, Michigan. About an hour drive, both places. And so I've had the opportunity to buy one, and they're only $20. I just never did. Well, I did this time. And i got to say, I really like the remote. It makes all my other remotes, you know, the TV, the stereo, the DVD player, all those remotes just feel clunky and junky and of less quality. This is a very nice remote. I wish it was programmable and maybe a few more buttons so I could teach it to do other things like you know, control my stereo and that sort of thing. But if you have an Apple TV or maybe even a Mac Mini in your media center, this is a great remote to use. So check it out if you're not happy with the Apple white remote. I know I wasn't. So that's something to think about. I really like it. If I was going to review it, I'd, I'd probably give it a good 8 out of 10. There's a few things that I would like to see change. Oh, you know what I really like, though? It actually has a very easy-to-replace battery. Sounds stupid, I know. Oh, you could change better than the old ones. I can never figure out how to easily change those batteries. That, uh, granted, I never really looked too hard. But I, I do. Is something on the bottom slides out? I couldn't figure it out, so I didn't want to break a remote just to, you know, figure it out. And yeah, I was too lazy to Google it. <laughs> but this remote, right on the bottom of it, you stick a dime or a quarter or whatever, some coin in there, twist it, and boom, there's the battery. You can replace it. Very, very easily. 20 bucks from Apple. Check it out. OWC TV has launched. I was talking about this before, and it's a done deal. If you go up to iTunes and do a search for OWC, you'll find at this point three different channels on iTunes. We have OWC TV installation video series. We have OWC radio, which is what you're listening to right now. And we have OWC TV. At the moment, and videos won't be added to this every day like the installation series. But what we're going to do with the OWC TV is more promotion and fun. And uh, some of it's going to be very lighthearted. Some of it's going to be very informative. The first thing that we put up there was the SSD speed test video. We also put up there two videos, adding a Mac Mini to your home theater system. First part of that video series is all the hardware that you're going to need, how you hook it up. And when I say video, I mean they show you how to connect this to your home theater system. Part two, which is also in the iTunes store at this point, is all the software that you can run on your Mac Mini to make it truly a media center PC. And you know what? I watched this. I've been wanting to add a Mac Mini to my home theater system for a long time. Now, I've got an old G4 Mac Mini, but come on. It's an old G4 Mac Mini. I think it's 
Boy, you know, when I think about it, I think it's like 800 megahertz, if that. might not even be that. It's been so long since I've even looked at that thing. I could be wrong. And I originally bought that Mac Mini to uh, <laughs> to rip apart. It's a long story. I never did it. But still, I'll get into that some other day. But this video installation series that uh, for OWC TV that they did, adding a Mac Mini to your home theater system, it got me so excited I went and ordered a Mac Mini. It hasn't come yet. But when it does, hmm, I think this video is going to be very helpful. I'm going to definitely watch it for a second time. Uh, pick up any, hey, maybe I should do that, or, okay, that's not what I was going to do, so I'll do it their way. In other words, uh, get a little more versed in it myself. It's something that I've always wanted to do, and so I'm I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Uh, Kevin Reeves, uh, a friend of the show, said he put one in, oh, like six months ago, and he said it was the best thing he's ever done. So with that, with a, a recommendation from Kevin Reeves and uh, these installation series, on OWC TV, I'm just going to go do it. What the heck, right? Let's talk about news from around the Mac web. Now, the unofficial Apple weblog has this, and I don't know what to think of this. Pennsylvania schools turning eyesight cameras on remotely on students' MacBooks? Huh. That's kind of scary. Now, the gist of the story is uh, there's a class action lawsuit accusing the school of remotely turning on students' eyesight cameras on their MacBooks when the students were at home. Now, the school district says, no, we only turned on the cameras remotely on computers that were reported missing or stolen. Uh, there's a student that claims that a teacher said that you were acting inappropriately at, inappropriately at home, and the student couldn't figure out, well, how would you know I was, how I was acting at home? And uh, it comes down to them turning on ISET cameras remotely. Does that kind of freak you out? I hope no hacker out there gets a hold of this, you know, information and decides he's going to make some kind of a hack that will turn on our ISET cameras remotely. Now, right now, if you look at your MacBook or MacBook Pro or even your iMac, a little yellow dot appears, a little light, right next to the ISET camera when it's active. Did those lights come on on these, you know, MacBooks at the school? Did the school even do this? I don't know. But I think it's a very interesting subject. I'm going to watch this story as it develops because, it, number one, it creeps me out. And uh, number two, I want to find out what's going on. If there's any kind of, I don't know, uh, security risk, I'm not doing anything in front of my computer that, honestly, I don't care if anyone sees what I'm doing. Um, I think it'd be a pretty boring video of me sitting here using Final Cut Pro, it would just be me staring at the screen. But I still don't want people to remotely turn it on, and I, that's just kind of creepy. Also from around the Mac web, this is from Touch Arcade. It's, if you're into iPhone games and stuff like that, Touch Arcade is one of the best websites that I've found so far to get some information. They do a lot of game reviews first looks, a lot of video. They do a fantastic bang-up job. They had a story today. It's called NG Moco raises another $25 million and buys Freeverse. I don't know how to feel about this. NG Moco is a fairly new company. They've only been around for maybe a year and a half. They're raising a lot of money in venture capital to produce iPhone games. And the ones that they've done so far... I don't have them all, but the ones that I do have, like Rolando, 
Very good games. Now, they're kind of going with the um, premium free app market. In other words, you can download and use the app for free, but they're hoping that you will spend in-app purchasing to you know get a better weapon or get an extra level. That's the way that they're kind of approaching the App Store. And it's probably a good idea because studies have shown that the top of the free list on downloads in iTunes is like 20 times that of paid apps. So could be something there. But here's what kind of knocked my socks off a little bit. They bought Freeverse. Now, they didn't say how much they paid for Freeverse, and I don't really need to know. But Freeverse is a software company that for years and years made a Mac hardware or hardware made Macintosh software games and utilities. One of my favorite utilities from last year's Macworld Expo was a program called Periscope, which basically turned your Mac in kind of a security camera mode where if it picked up any movement in front of your eyesight camera, it would start recording or taking pictures. It would upload those videos or those pictures to an FTP site of your choice or even your mobile me account. I like the idea because I could turn that on, say, if our family was leaving for a whole weekend and uh, I could remotely find out if, you know, anybody broke into my house. Now, I've got an alarm system, but, you know, that's just a deterrent. Someone could break in, grab something, and leave before the cops ever got there. Well, with this, even if they got it, they broke in and uh, started grabbing the Mac, they have to unplug it and stuff. By the time they got it unplugged, those pictures of the person stealing it would have already been uploaded to my FTP site. And uh, I thought it was a great use of technology. And... NGMoco just bought Freeverse. And uh, Freeverse, of course, made Periscope. Freeverse seems to have given up pretty much on the Mac market uh, a little while ago. I don't know if they ever made that official, but I've talked to someone at Freeverse who told me, yeah, we're not, we're not even concentrating on the Mac market at all anymore. We're just doing iPhone stuff because, quite honestly, that's where the money is. And they made more money with the iPhone than they ever did with the Macintosh in one year. And they've been around for 15 years or so. So, I don't know. It, it, I'm kind of bummed out. But by the same token, Freeverse wasn't doing anything on the Mac market anyways. But they still have a lot of stuff that they were keeping up to date, some great applications. Now, the news reports are saying that NGMoco is basically, they, they bought Freeverse, but they're basically leaving Freeverse alone. So, will they continue to support the Mac? Uh, will they just get rid of all that stuff? Uh, are they going to the, the freemium? is how they're calling it, kind of a paid free ver- freemium instead of premium. Yeah. They're going to the freemium route as well because, you know, NGMoco owns them now. So I don't know. It, it, I'm kind of bummed out in one respect. But in another one, hey, you know what? Good for the guys at Freeverse. They make just fantastic stuff. Uh, a lot of their their games on the iTunes platform, on the iPhone platform, I should say, in iTunes was at the top of the charts for many, many, many months. So, I don't know. Good luck to NGMoco with the purchase of Freeverse. From the Technologizer website, an article said, Should Apple police the App Store for sleaze? Apple appears to have decided that the iPhone App Store should be less smutty. As the Business, le- uh, as the business Insider is reporting, developers of sex-oriented apps are getting notified that their apps are being removed from the store. TechCrunch, Tech Crunch, I'm reading, by the way, from um, the Technologizer website. My microphone keeps getting in the way. TechCrunch has the text of the message Apple sent to developers of something called Jiggle Eye Boobs. 
I don't even like saying that, to be honest. Saying that the tougher stance is in response to complaints from iPhone owners. Hmm. Now, I know that the uh, Sports Illustrator Swimsuit Edition and a Playboy app is still up there, and Apple isn't taking those down. So there, are, some people are saying that's a little hypocrisy. But my take on it anyways is I don't want a whole bunch of that sleazy junk up there personally. Um, does that mean I don't want you to be able to buy it? I don't really care what you buy. But if I do buy my kids an iPod Touch, I don't want them to have access to that. Now, you know, there are parental controls. There are apps that are marked as adult only. But, you know, it's Apple's playground. And if they want, if they're starting to get complaints, and I could totally understand that, um, and they don't want this stuff in their store, they don't have to. Yeah, some people will claim, oh, that's censorship and that's bad. And Well, you know what? If you go into Target, you can't buy pornography materials there, can you? Well, then why should you be able to do that in the iTunes store? What's the difference? Apple runs the store, and if they don't want to sell your product, they won't. Consistency would be nice, but by the same token, why you can't get porn and that kind of thing in Target... Or Walmart, you can get the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. So from that point of view, I think that Apple is making the right decision. I really do. Uh, I would like to know that somebody is policing the iTunes store. And, of course, that someone has to be Apple. They own it. It's theirs. So keep it clean. Keep it nice for me. And I'll continue to spend way too much money. Um, Somebody emailed me. Um, I, I had a, a, a little bit in an earlier episode of OWC Radio about how much money I had spent on the iTunes store, which, by the way, just keeps going up. And uh, they had spent a lot of money, too. They were sharing their numbers with me. And I was looking for that before I started recording, and I, I couldn't find it, unfortunately. But if you guys are like me, we've spent way too much money. <laughs> you, know, I'm, you know what I'm going to do, honestly. Now, I've got my iTunes link to my PayPal account. But what I'm going to do is uh, I'm only going to buy iTunes gift cards, and that's the only money I will spend in the iTunes store. I think that will help me when I look right up in the right-hand corner, and it will tell me how much money I have. That's going to limit how many things I buy. I think it's going to, well, you know what? No, it probably won't because some of the stuff I buy directly on the iPhone, and it doesn't tell me. (sighs) Foiled again. There was this guy that was walking around outside the convention center at Macworld Expo. And he was handing everybody a card that says, check out my new iPhone app, iFart Video, over and over and over. And I saw him. And so he finally came over to me. He read my tag and says, hey, Tim, check out my new app, iFart Video. And I said, yeah, thanks. I, I already did. What do you mean you already did? It just came out today. I said, no, I, what I meant to say is I already heard you saying that I'm really not interested. Oh, okay. I said, well, let me ask you, though. How long did it take you to do this? And he told me. And I said, don't you think it would have been, I don't know, time better spent making a productive app? Um, Something that, at the very least, you could sell yourself on. In other words, you can make something that's really cool, give it away for free, and then maybe land a big job with a developer making iPhone apps. And he looked at me like I was crazy. What do you mean? It seems to me 
that if you're going to spend the time to make something, why not make something worthwhile? iFart video app, really? That's that's your big claim to fame. Everybody has a different sense of humor, but come on, this is a great opportunity to to make something very creative. Put your name on it. Maybe it'll land you a, a great job in the future. And if not, at least you have, look, you could show something to your grandmother. You're really going to show your, your grandma iFart video app? Oh, grandma, look what I made. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just at a certain age. Maybe I just don't get it anymore. Or maybe I do and they don't. The Macworld UK has a story, and it starts right at the beginning. Rumor, Adobe to launch new creative software in April? Now, this has come up uh, many times for me on uh, different shows. Uh, recently on the MyMac.com podcast that I was doing, when we would have um, graphic software designers, that sort of thing. And I'd always ask, you know, are you using uh, Adobe CS4? Do you use Photoshop? That sort of thing. Many times people would say, oh, of course they're using uh, Photoshop. Why are you using CS4? No. Why? I can't justify spending that much money on the new version when the old version is working just fine. But, of course, when Snow Leopard came out, Adobe publicly came out and said, we are not supporting Adobe CS3 under Snow Leopard. And that raised the hackles of a lot of people. And I know that because I heard from a lot of people on just that subject. So I don't know. Do you think it's too early for Adobe to come out with CS5? I personally do. That's my personal opinion. I think it's too soon. But if Adobe was really concerned with my opinion, they probably would have asked for it, and they didn't. But I'll share it here on the podcast. I think it's too early. I really hope that Adobe waits to to launch CS5 in 2011. There was a lot of problems that I personally had with... Uh, some of the changes they made from CS3 to CS4, specifically in Illustrator, they changed the entire workflow. And a lot of the CS3 Adobe Illustrator files, which worked just fine with you know CS2 files, worked fine in CS3. Even Adobe CS Illustrator files worked fine in Adobe CS3. When they went to CS4, I had a lot of problems, and I know a lot of other people... I know some people in the packaging industry that do graphic design in, for packaging. And uh, the entire workflow, it, it broke their workflow. And they literally could not use Adobe CS for the Illustrator because of this issue. And it was never addressed. It was never fixed. Uh, basically, Adobe said, this is the way we do it now. Uh, jump on board or you get left behind. So a lot of these companies haven't caught up with CS4 yet. And now we're going to get CS5. Boy, I don't know. I don't know if it's a great idea. It's a horrible idea. Uh, I've heard from, I'm just going to say sources, that Adobe CS4 did not sell up to Adobe's expectations. Um, whether that's true or not, I can't say. I will say that, uh, I'll be honest, it's, I've got a little bit of insider information there. Someone that I know Actually, two different people that I know that would know, that's all I'll say, told me that CS4 did not come close to selling what Adobe had thought it would. 
So I guess go ahead and release CS5 then, right? Seems to be Microsoft's idea. Vista didn't do as well as they wanted to. It was bad reviews left and right. A lot of people were complaining about it. So they come out with Windows 7 and everything's roses. Everyone seems to have really good things to say about Adobe. Or I'm sorry, about uh, Microsoft Windows 7. Maybe Adobe's kind of looking at that. You know, CS4 didn't do that well, and people are kind of complaining. And let's just go ahead and release CS5, and they'll forget all about the problems we have with CS4, and everything will be roses again. They could be right. I don't know. And lastly, my old digs over at MyMac.com, a how-to article says, uh, transfer LP records to your computer. Sam Negri has a great look on how to digitize those old LPs many of us still have laying around. I don't. Actually, I'm, I might have a couple. And how some of those hard-to-find and rare LPs simply don't exist in digital format, including CDs. So if you've been thinking about, you know, that old record collection you've got that maybe you inherited from your father, and you just can't get CDs on some of that stuff. Some of that music is just gone forever, and the only place they exist are these old LPs. And for those uh, very young that don't know what an LP is, um, it's a big black record. And if you don't know what that is... I can't really explain it any better than that. This is a great idea. It's using a USB turntable to uh, play the music on. So that's kind of an investment right there. And it's also using Audio Hijack Pro to record the audio. And, of course, you can break up the songs. And it, it's a really good article. I encourage you to go check a look at it. I'm going to have a link to all the things that I talked about for OWC number 15, OWC Radio 15, up at OWCRadio.com. So if you want to find a link to um, the LP records to your computer, the Adobe to launch Creative Suite 5 in April, the Technologizer, Sleaze, Apple Store Sleaze story, all that stuff, uh, go up to OWC Radio, and it's show number 15. I'm really congested right now. My sinuses are killing me, so I'm going to wrap up. This segment, I'm going to jump to the interview I did a couple weeks ago with Laura. I hope you enjoy it. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash OWC radio. You can email us, either a text email or, oh, please record yourself and send it that way. I'd, I'd really dig that. That'd be great. Send it to podcast at maxsales.com. Or if you want to pick up a telephone and leave us a comment that way, you can do so. Simply dial 1-801-938-5559. And the last thing, before I, I wrap this up, are you subscribed to the newsletters from OWC? No? Yes? You should be. OWC's newsletters are simply fantastic, and it's going to be the way that you're going to find out about some really great deals that you might not have found out about any other way. OWC Larry's email-based newsletters and hot deals blasts. Go up to OWC website, that's maxsales.com, www.maxsales.com, and you'll see OWC newsletters, deals, infos, and tips. Sign up for it. You're not going to get spammed to death, trust me. But if you did, last week you would have found out iPod cases for as low as 59 cents. Hard drive enclosure kits from 19 bucks. Over 200 items still pricing at the special Macworld Expo 2010 prices. Yep. 
You'd have found all that stuff before anybody else. And you know, first come, first serve, folks. Sometimes some of the things that make their way into these newsletters are items that are almost gone. So by the time you find it on the web, it might already be gone. You might have missed out. So go up there, sign up. Again, you're not going to get inundated with a whole bunch of junk mail. That's not what we're all about. You're only going to get content that you're wanting. The special deals, special prices. And for me, what I really like about the newsletters is the commentary that uh, OWC Larry provides. It's fantastic stuff. So go up, sign up for the newsletters, and get in the know. So here comes the uh, interview with Laura. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you real soon. So one of the new features that we're doing here on OWC Radio is getting to know the people behind Otherworld Computing. And to do that, we have to meet the people behind Otherworld Computing. Now, as I've said in the past, I don't actually work at the corporate headquarters in Woodstock, Illinois. I'm in mid-Michigan. So for me, boy, it's like four or five hours just to drive here. And, of course, in the wintertime, that's not a lot of fun. So I'm not going to get the opportunity to meet every single person that's working at Otherworld Computing. But today, I get to meet someone. Hello, Laura. Hello. So what's your full name? My name is Laura Park. And what do you do at Otherworld Computing? I'm the customer service supervisor. So you're in charge of the customers. Uh, well, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I, I'm in charge of the people that get to talk to most of our customers. I run the customer service department as well as the order processing department. So I have two teams. So, so you are the the person in charge of the customer service reps. Yep. So yeah, they're my guys. So if someone calls, they're they have an issue, they're not getting anywhere with the customer service rep himself, and it has to escalate, that would be you. Most of the time. And yep. your job is basically take care of the customer. Always. So what did you do before you came to Otherworld Computing? How did you get into this business? I actually I was living up in Canada and I decided that it wasn't working for me. I had a I had a job at kind of a bead store. I just finished my degree in psychology, and I decided that I needed something that had a little bit more, a little bit more oomph. I needed to feel at the end of the day that I actually did something for somebody somewhere. And when I started here, I actually started as a customer service rep. And so you started there and moved up. Yeah. So you said a bead store. What's a bead store? I, like jewelry beads? Yeah. Yeah, I worked for Canada Beading Supply up in Canada. They sold um, gemstone beads. So, Were like, you interacting directly with the customer yes. or interacting with other businesses? Both. We did both customer retail sales as well as wholesale. So we worked directly with um, designers and things like that, as well as anybody just wandering in wanting to know a little bit more about gemstones. Now, in your position, how do I mean? Because I know that other world computing is twenty four seven now. Yes, how, how does that fit in with your schedule? Do you ever get to go home, or do you have just a cot <laughs> at your? How does that work? Sometimes I think they should give me a cot because I am here so often. Um, I try to keep my normal schedules typically about nine to six, but it depends on the day. Um, I'm not the type of manager that if my team is in need, I'm going to go home. Uh, we are known, uh, myself, the tech support manager, and our inbound sales manager will take calls if need be. So every now and then, you never know. You may actually be speaking with one of us already. 
So my question is, you said you came from Canada. Is that where you're from then, Canada? Actually, no. I grew up in Mississippi. Because I was getting ready to call somebody. I think I thought maybe you were like <laughs> an illegal alien working here. I was I was going to get him on the phone, but that's no, not no, the case. No, no, no. I am a U.S. citizen. I grew up in Mississippi. When how, I was... how do you go from Mississippi to Canada and then to Woodstock, Illinois? <laughs> I mean, that's that's jumping around a that lot. That is. It is. My parents actually brought me to Canada. I was 15 when we first got there. Oh, so that's I not a good age yeah, to move, is it? No. I had just finished ninth grade, and I was going into 10th grade. And up there, that's you're already in high school. My old school, it was junior high up until ninth grade, and then 10th grade is your first year of high school. That's how it is for me. Yeah. Where it was. My kids are ninth starts high school but for us yeah it was 10th yeah. 11th and 12th yeah, that was high school they used to have the junior highs yes well up there it was it was like it is now you know you start high school in ninth grade and then you go from there was it a culture shock coming from where you were all the way up and a little bit i mean I, not not as much obviously if you moved to like france but yeah no it wasn't so bad i mean at least there was the common language but realizing as i got older that not speaking french was becoming more and more of a hindrance was one thing um, the big thing for me was finding out that they actually had 13 years in the area that I was living in for high school. Oh, and then you're like, wait a minute. I thought I was yeah. almost done. You're telling me I got another year. Yeah, I was not happy. I <laughs> I fought tooth and nail. I told my parents, this is not what I signed up for. But, you know, at 15, you really don't have much choice. No, yeah, no, absolutely. And I've got a 15-year-old, two of them, 15-year-old daughters. And if oh, I'm sorry. they don't have a choice, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, you'll, I'm, I'll be sorry next year when I see my car insurance rates go up. Yes. So how do you move from uh, selling the beads in Canada to Woodstock, Illinois, where you're living now, working at Otherworld Computing? Was it the job that brought you here? Or did you come here and then, oh, here's a job? Uh, it was actually more that I was looking for something new. I was looking for something more fulfilling. I was I was happy where I was. But I was kind of stuck in a rut, you know. It wasn't really much room for growth. It's, it was a small place, not not anywhere to go. So I told my mom that, you know, with French being a hindrance living in, in the nation's capital, I couldn't do any of the government work or things like that. That paid very well. So I was looking for somewhere that I could expand. And she said, well, we're hiring. We're looking for people for our customer so service So we, department. so you're... Your My mom. mother works here. Yes, yeah. she so was that working in so, our house. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> See, I didn't know that till just now. So your yeah. mom said, hey, "Well, we've got openings here." Yeah. Yeah. And how long ago was that? That was about two years ago. So you've gone from uh, a CSR. Is that what they call? It? Uh-huh. Okay. So you went from CSR to the supervisor now. Yep. Uh, is your mom a CSR? No, she was. See, that working. would have been great if you were your mom's <laughs> boss. For Remember when you moved us to Canada, Mom? Almost. Oh, she would have regretted it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> would have gotten my revenge. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think she deserved it. She gets no, she one. got you the job. She gets we have the to let her go. shift, maybe the overnight. That's right. No, you know, we actually, got the new 24-7, Mom. Um, yeah. That's you on the weekends. <laughs> yeah, no, she's actually in the accounting department now. So she works with our vendors and things like that. So what's it like working for Otherworld Computing now? Um, I mean, obviously, this building is still, to me, brand new. Did you start here in this building, or did no. you move in with this building? I was here when we when we were over on Cortaltz. So we actually, I was here for the, hey, look, we've got a brand new building for all the rules and regulations that go along with a brand yeah. new building. It's kind of like getting a new car. 
they're very, very picky about it for the first little yeah, while. Yeah, take off your shoes before you come in. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. I was expecting it. I was expecting it. But They're it very environmentally conscious very, in this building. Very was much that a so. change for you? or it was, it was actually a draw for me. Like finding out that they not only believe in that sort of thing, but they delete but they believe in it so much that they're actually willing to put the amount of money they put in to make this building, to put up the windmill, to do everything yeah, that, that, that they that do. That turbine out there, it's really Isn't hard to explain to someone who has never seen one in person. Just I, I saw a video of it before I visited uh-huh. Otherworld Computing back in October of '09. But the first time seeing it in person, you're just like, whoa, that thing is huge. It definitely takes your breath away. It's gigantic. (laughs) Working for a company that actually cares about the environment, and they're not just playing lip service to it. They're doing something. Exactly. There's so many companies out there that, especially with the... Can buy what do they call them? Carbon points or yeah. things like that. That you offset know, oh, well, the bad we're, stuff they're doing. Exactly. And- oh, we're going green. Yeah, no, they mean it and they're actually doing it. We, they're so strict about how much that, how much they stand behind being a green company that we actually the same way you sort your garbage at home yep. into garbage and recyclables, we take that here very very seriously. That's one of the things that new reps come in and they're like, "Are are you kidding me? You really you seriously want me to watch where I'm putting my glass versus where how I'm do putting you, my glass?" How do you explain to someone new that <laughs> it, it's not just what we do; it's who we are? Exactly. Because there's a difference between the stuff that we do and then the, the the company and the people that we are. Well, most people coming in have all usually. It, well, you know, I mean, if they've got a chance, they've at least looked into the company, and a lot of people coming in already know. That we're very serious about being green, and they've already seen that, you know, we've got a green building, we're LEED certified, we've got the windmill, and they have already that mindset that they're looking forward to going into this type of this type of company. Do the customers that you talk to on the phone do they ever bring it up? Because sometimes, I, sometimes you, you go up to the website and that information is out there, it is. and that's very important to a lot of customers. Oh yeah, it is. Every now and then, you know, we'll get on a conversation with somebody. They'll ask us questions about the windmill or about the building itself. We have local people actually calling in to speak with our um, HR department and, and things like that to find more resources about what they can do to go along the same lines. So we're kind of leading the way in the area, so it's it's really nice. So obviously the focus of Otherworld Computing is the Macintosh computer user. Mm-hmm. Um, are, were you a Mac user before you came here? I don't tell my boss. I actually did not like Macs. No. I used it once, and I thought that, you know, this is just way too simplified. This can't be for real. This is just, you know, I was a PC girl from the time that I was like 10 years old and we got our first computer until the day I started working here. The first time I touched my Mac, I was blown away. They're just, they're simple. They're just so user-friendly and you don't have a lot of the same issues that you have with PCs. The lifespan of a Mac is incredible. We've got people calling in asking for help with their blue and whites. Oh, I mean, anybody yeah. that knows Macs yeah. knows that's how old that what, is. 11 years old at this uh-huh. point, yeah. And we do. We have stuff for those. Oh, yeah. We certainly do. We have processors. We have all kinds of things for the older Macs. and. Lots of fun stuff for the new Macs, too. <laughs> Before we let you get back to your job here, and I start wasting a whole bunch of your time, what's the thing that about working at other computing, other world computing, boy, I can really talk good today, huh? <laughs> it's a long drive, that's all I'm saying. What's the thing you like about the, this job the most? That if 
if there was one thing that you had to tell someone that has never been here, doesn't know what you do, this is the one thing that I like more than any other. I finally found somewhere that I can go home at the end of the day and know that I helped people. We're not your basic corporate mentality. I, I don't care. I'm not here to help you. I'm just here to do my job. We're expected to go above and beyond. And that, to me, is the whole point of having a customer service department. So you're not leaving here for the IRS anytime soon? Not anytime soon, no. <laughs> Laura, thank you very much for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. It was my pleasure.